Hey there, it's episode 392 of the Keto Diet Podcast. My name is Leanne Vogel. I'm a holistic nutritionist, functional blood chemistry specialist, and a whole bunch of other things. Oh my goodness, I'm a busy lady. <laughs> so I wanted to share today's episode with you guys because we've been getting quite a few questions about exogenous ketones, how to take them, when they're good, when they're not. I've been sharing about my exogenous ketone process in my personal health journey. Now, I found exogenous ketones, well, there was a company, they were an MLM, why can't I think of the name of them? They sent me their product of exogenous ketones way back in like 2014. They tasted horrible, they used like caffeine instead of good quality ketones. Why can't I think of the name of this company? Maybe you know of it. If you were keto back in the day, I think they're still making products, but they use artificial sweeteners and I don't know, I talked to some of the people on their team and I was like, Ugh. so I kind of just put exogenous ketones on the shelf. And I remember I was at, I think a Dallas book signing back in 2017 and a lady was saying how much she loved perfect keto exogenous ketones and how great they were and how much they'd helped her. And she was talking a lot about how she couldn't necessarily eat keto because it was just too challenging for her right out the gate. So she started with exogenous ketones and that encouraged her to keep trying at the ketogenic diet. And so we were all having a conversation that was probably, I don't know, like 50-ish people there. And we were all talking about it and all these women sharing their experiences. And I was like, okay, I need to try this stuff. So that was quite a while ago. Lots has changed um, with Perfect Keto. And what I really love is their exogenous ketones. They have a whole bunch of other stuff, but I continue to personally use exogenous ketones. I especially, especially use them. And I talk about this in my episodes on my personal health journey. We actually have one coming out, episode 394, where I talk about how I used exogenous ketones and why and what I believe was going on with my health then. So definitely tune into that in a couple of weeks. But I, I still use them if I need my brain to be totally on point. Like if I have a bunch of recordings that day and sessions with clients and, you know, meetings with my coaching team where, you know, we have practitioners now on the Healthful Pursuit coaching team taking clients and there's just a lot going on and things are totally crazy. I will start my day with exogenous ketones. And so I wanted to kind of just share some details about how to use them, when to use them, why they're important. I think now, you know, a lot of my thoughts have changed on exogenous ketones, obviously from 2017 to current. I think even if you're not eating a strict ketogenic diet, if you need your brain to be lit up, I really see these exogenous ketones as really filling that gap. So I'm really excited to share them with you. If you decide to give exogenous ketones a try, my personal favorite are from Perfect Keto. You can go to perfectketo.com slash keto diet pod and use the coupon code KDP20 to get 20% off your entire order. Okay, you can only use this code once, so choose wisely. Again, it's perfectketo.com slash keto diet pod, P-O-D. Okay, let's cut to today's episode. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel, and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working as a little thank you for being here today. Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. 
So let's just jump right into the questions for today. You guys submitted a bunch of awesome questions over on our private Facebook group, which you gain access to by getting any of my digital products. So I just asked you guys, Hey, I'm doing a solo episode. What do you want to know? And also we sprinkled in a bunch of the questions that I'd been receiving over and over again on the book tour that um, maybe weren't answered in full during the virtual event. The book tour was amazing because I got to connect with so many people and so many of you that have been following for a really long time and also see another side to things. It's it's such a nourishing experience to get to meet people in real life and talk about their struggles because my body is different from your body, which is different from Sally's body and John's body. So we're all going to react differently to different things. And one thing that continued to come up on the book tour was exogenous ketone products. So we're going to be talking about that in length in just a moment. So the question from one of our readers and listeners and followers was, I'd like to hear more about keto related advice you should not follow. There is way too much bad info out there. And where does exogenous ketone products fit into this? So to answer your question in short, really, because there's not much to it, is that if you are following anyone, whether it's keto or vegan or whatever you're doing, If somebody says, you know, it's my way or the highway, or I'm right about this, or you have to do this or it won't work and anything where it's really a black and white approach, that's a big sign for me that I probably shouldn't be following that person because we are so unique, each and every single one of us. I don't think that there's anything that anyone can say where it's more of a blanket statement that it works for everyone other than, you know, the basics of like, you should probably drink water you probably need, you know, you need to eat to stay alive. You need to sleep to stay alive. Those sorts of things. Fair enough. But when, when somebody says, you know, you need to eat 20 grams of carbs, otherwise you're not keto or, you know, all carbs are bad. Um, just an example, you know, when people have these definitive statements, I kind of run in the opposite direction. So there's not really any, you know, big things on keto where I'm like, you can't, you shouldn't do this because it's bad advice. Because if I said that, I would kind of be contradicting the whole thing. So I think you just need to use your best judgment. And if somebody's saying, you know, you have to do this, or you're not part of our Facebook group, or you're not keto unless you do these three things, I just, ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) And you kind of just have to listen to your body and kind of see how that feels. And if you don't know how to listen to your body, we're going to be chatting about that a little bit later. So that's to answer your first question. And let's get into exogenous ketones because... I'll be the first to admit that I'm human and I make mistakes. And one of those mistakes has definitely been saying that exogenous ketone products are bad and you shouldn't use them. One of the major takeaways from the book tour was that a lot of people are using these products and having a lot of success. And while I don't subscribe to doing that for my own body, And the reason I don't is because my body becomes fat adapted quite effortlessly. I don't really need to do much in order to become fat adapted. But there are people that maybe experience keto flu and it goes on and on and on, or people that can't stay in ketosis and they need it for more of a therapeutic approach. I totally understand where it's 
helpful and before I didn't. And so one of the major takeaways, as I was saying, with a book tour was just getting to connect to people face to face in person with a lot of tears and a lot of hugs of just what they're going through. And so I now feel like exogenous ketones have a place on a ketogenic diet. Let's chat a little bit about why they're, you know, who they're perfect for, the drawbacks, the concerns I still have. And then I've actually found a keto product that I will endorse and that I stand behind. I've been trying it now for about a month and I feel like it's a lot better quality of a product than a lot of the stuff out there. So I'm going to be chatting about that in a little bit. So let's go through the perfect candidate for exogenous ketones. So I imagine that anyone going through keto flu that can't get over it, say it's been going on for like more than three days, exogenous ketones would probably help. They could be good for low carb people who can't go keto for various reasons. Maybe they have fibromyalgia, thyroid dysfunction, adrenal dysfunction, where Maybe you're trying to eat low carb and perhaps you're around 80 grams of total carbs, but you're not totally ketogenic. You're eating a lot of fat. You're minimizing your carbs. You just can't go that low carb. I can see that it could be great for those people if they want to use ketones, more of a therapeutic approach to help heal their body. People that need therapeutic doses of ketones. So say you have epilepsy or cancer and you need high levels of ketones in order to heal your body. Awesome. If you want to feel inspired to try keto, say you're on a low carb paleo approach, you're eating less than say 100 grams of carbs and you know you hear everyone talking about this keto thing, you're like, I wanna give this a try but I don't wanna commit to this huge thing. If your carbs are under 100 grams and in the morning you have you know this exogenous ketone, I could see you know when you feel that way, you're like, whoa, actually ketosis is awesome, let's try this. I could see it being helpful for that encouraging the body to fast while already on a ketogenic diet. So this is a benefit that I saw quite quickly from trying exogenous ketones is that when I had them in the morning, I extended my fast almost till dinner time, which for me, after a couple of days, I was like, oh shoot, actually, this isn't so good for my body because my adrenals were starting to react and I wasn't feeling very good. <laughs> but I could see that if you feel good on fasting, you just can't make it all the way or, or you know, maybe you're really obsessed with food still and you're, and you're experiencing cravings on keto. I could see it being really helpful for that too. And also a supplement to help with the transition. So when I was meeting with people on the book tour, the major thing that people were using exogenous ketones for were keto flu. There was one lady, I can't remember what city it was or what your name is. I'm so sorry, but she was saying she had keto flu for three solid weeks. So she used exogenous ketones to kind of get over that hump and it really helped her so that she could start to feel good on her ketogenic diet. And another piece was supplementing with the transition. So, you know, you decide that you're going to be keto and on day one, you take these, this supplement, it can really help with the transition. The drawbacks for me was that I mentioned before, it totally killed my appetite. Like I probably could have fasted the entire day and into the second day and maybe even the third day. Cause there was a whole day where I didn't eat and I was just drinking that. And it started to spark a little bit of that restrictive behavior in me and a lot of that disordered eating stuff. And I know for me, fasting is quite triggering for my previous experience with an eating disorder. 
So, you know, fasting doesn't feel so good in my body. I know that it doesn't feel good for me. So that was one of the drawbacks. But if fasting feels really good in your body and you light up with fasting, then 100% these these products could be really good for you. My only concern, well, I have a couple of concerns with exogenous ketones, is that I see it being used as tool for erasing quote unquote eating choices. So a lot of people will, you know, binge on certain things and then, you know, take the exogenous ketone product and feel like they erased the choices that they made with their eating or they'll binge on like a Thursday night and then Friday they'll force themselves to fast all day with exogenous ketones. And so I see a lot of negative behaviors coming out of these products. And that's something that I want to raise because that's not something that I will ever promote. And My major concern also is that if it's being used in conjunction with excess carbohydrates or with a carb up, logically to me, that's still unsafe. And that's kind of where I always came from with exogenous ketones is of this danger that comes with it. And with a lot of the marketing of certain products, namely Keto OS, I find that their products are very much or their marketing around their products is like, have your cake, eat it too, eat the carbs, have the ketones, yay, winning. I don't think that that's a safe thing. What we're doing is that we're increasing our blood sugar at the same time as we're um, incorporating ketones. Another concern that I have is that taking ketones orally is not a natural thing. (laughs) But, you know, in the same light, there are a lot of things that we now take orally that we necessarily don't. And I understand that the world is changing and that things change. It's just a concern that I still have. And Another piece is that I don't think it should be used to lose sight of why you started keto in the first place. So for me, keto has always been more of a therapeutic thing for me. I know that I got lost the first six months and lost all this weight and got really disordered with my eating, but now it's really about nutrient density and paying attention to that. So with the exogenous ketones, because I see that they're, they could be really helpful for adapting or becoming inspired and all those things that I chatted about. Once you're keto, I don't see that there's a use for them. So for me, you know, I've been keto now for three years. I don't see that they have a huge place. The only place I could see them is when I want to fast, say on an airplane and I'm traveling for a really long time. It could be helpful there. So if you're keto, fasting and feeling great, you don't need the supplement. And I see too often that people rely on it a bit too heavily. And all of a sudden they start eating more carbs and they're having these ketone products and then their blood sugar's high at the same time as the ketones. And so really what I'm trying to say is that there's no shame in trying them, seeing if they work for you. Just be mindful that they can become, or it can become rather more of an abusive behavior. So I've tried a lot of the ketone products out there, a lot of the products I don't enjoy because of the marketing, and we've already chatted about that. So my favorite that I've tried personally now for a month is called Perfect Keto. This is something that I believe came up in the book tour and somebody said, have you tried Perfect Keto? And I'm like, no. And then I ordered it and it's so much more affordable than other options like Keto OS. Um, If you want more details about Perfect Keto, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash ketones. They actually put together a really, really good comparison chart of perfect keto versus prove it, which is the keto OS product. So with perfect keto, 
you get 11.38 grams of BHB ketones. And with Keto OS, it's unspecified. So you don't know how much you're getting. With Keto OS, the charged version anyways, there's caffeine. And oftentimes I find that people say, you know, I feel so charged up and awesome on Keto OS. And I'm like, well, are you taking the caffeine version? They're like, yeah, like it would be interesting to try it without the caffeine to kind of see how your body's actually feeling. Um, so with Perfect Keto, they actually don't include caffeine. Also, the carb amount is zero with Perfect keto and with keto os it's three grams so although you know three grams isn't a lot if you're a person that's trying to stay under say 20 30 or even 40 grams of total carbs three grams is a lot um the calories in perfect keto per serving is 15 the calories in keto os is 110 perfect keto is not an mlm so you can literally go to their website and just buy the ketones and also way way cheaper so 20 servings of Keto OS is $130. 15 servings of Perfect Keto is $59. So the cost per serving of Perfect Keto is $3.93. And the cost of Keto OS is $6.50. So I've never felt so comfortable promoting Keto OS specifically because of the price. And that's why I don't enjoy promoting measuring your ketones or anything like that because it's just really expensive and it makes it inaccessible for a lot of people. But I think with Perfect Keto, they've definitely allowed for us to be able to use this supplement and benefit from it without completely breaking the bank as opposed to the Keto OS. And what I really like about Perfect Keto also is that they use really high quality BHB salts and each serving, like I said, comes with the 11.3 grams of BHB. So you know exactly how much you're getting of these salts to in order to encourage your body to slide into ketosis. I also like that their ingredients are pretty pure. The other ingredients are magnesium, potassium, cocoa in the case of their chocolate flavored version, stevia leaf, and vitamin C. Whereas with Keto OS, the carbohydrates, we chatted about that. There's inulin, xanthan gum, which can be really harmful on your gut. Erythritol, which if you're sensitive to corn, you're probably going to react to it. Caffeine, if you have adrenal dysfunction, they do have an option for no caffeine. But if you're going with the caffeine form, you're probably going to get a lot of the stimulation from caffeine and not from the actual BHB. And they could also have dairy in it. I know that some of their products have dairy. So just from a quality ingredients standpoint, I enjoy it more. And so that's just a little intro. I know that I chatted just a whole bunch about exogenous ketones, but um, I guess the summary is I've changed my mind. I see that they can be helpful. Just be mindful of how you're using them. I think that Perfect Keto is probably your best bet that I've found so far. I've tried it. I feel great on it. I haven't reacted to it. It feels really good in my body if I want to extend the fast. The main parts where I see being really helpful is for keto flu and also for that transition of being inspired but, you know, use this carefully and be mindful of it. And so if you want to learn more information about Perfect Keto, again, you can head to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash ketones, and I'll include that in the show notes. So I hope that that answers your questions. I'll be chatting more about Perfect Keto in the months to come and just kind of my thoughts on it as things go along. And also if you have an experience on Perfect Keto and you want to share it with me so that I can learn from you guys and kind of see how you're using it, definitely send me an email info at ketodietpodcast.com.
There are so many research benefits to having good fat in your diet, but there's just one little problem with all this healthy fat. If you can't properly digest the fat in your diet, you won't feel good. And a lot of people lack the many nutrients needed to digest fat. To really get the best results from any diet, whether it's carnivore, paleo, keto, or even vegan, I've found that there are three things that can really help optimize your results. First, enhance your digestion and elimination. Second, boost your cellular energy. And third, rev up your fat-burning metabolism. Now, can you do all of this without any extra nutrients and nutritional supplements? 100% of course, for sure. But in my experience, the right supplements certainly can help. And one of the best aids that I've found comes from my friends over at Buy Optimizers, and it's called Capex. Here's what Capex does. First, Capex breaks down the fats that you eat into fatty acids using a proprietary lipase and dandelion extract blend. Second, Capex dramatically increases the fatty acid oxidation inside your mitochondria, both in the muscles and the liver, basically helping with the conversion of the fat you're eating into energy. Third, Capex can increase energy. If you take three to five capsules of Capex in the morning on an empty stomach, the energy is out of this world. <laughs> it feels like a cup of coffee that lasts six to 10 hours and there's no nervous system stimulation. I highly suggest trying it for yourself. You can go to kenergize.com slash keto diet. That's K-E-N-E-R-G-I-Z e.com forward slash keto diet. You'll automatically get 10% off any package of Capex with the coupon code keto diet 10, all one word. So again, that's kenergize.com slash keto diet. So let's cut over to more of the cravings conversation on keto. The first question is, how can I beat sugar and carb cravings? Or at least how can I better deal with the cravings I can't control? Okay, so a couple of thoughts here. Why do you feel like you need to control your cravings? I know that when I was coming from a place of I need to control everything, I often found that I can control it for maybe a week and then I would have a binge and then it became shorter and shorter to like four days and have a binge and like two days and have a binge and then every single meal I was feeling so restricted and so out of control that I would binge. And so just take note of that and just kind of see where this control is coming from, how you can maybe uh, look at things in a different way. And what is it that draws you to that item? So I know for me, like when I'm craving, I know I've chatted about this a bazillion times, but when I'm craving candies, it's because I'm feeling a little bit lonely and that I just, I probably just need a hug. <laughs> so a lot of the times I just go up to Kevin or if I'm out with people or whatever, I just ask them for a hug and just open up to them and chat with them about what's going on in my life. And that usually does the trick. So just take note of the foods you're craving. And if you have a feeling when you're eating them and what you're trying to go for, and if there are activities outside of food that you can go toward. When it comes to cravings, more on a scientific level, when it comes to cravings, keto should eliminate a lot 
of the cravings. I know like for Kevin, he always talks about the fact that he doesn't crave Kit Kat bars anymore. He is a Kit Kataholic or was before he was keto. And now he just doesn't want them. But there was a period when he was adapting where all he wanted was Kit Kat bars all of the time. And so know that when you're adapting, if you're still in two weeks, even four weeks on keto, it's going to take time for your cravings to go away because your body is confused on what fuel it's using and what's going on. And it just wants sugar because it knows sugar. So know that you need to be patient with it. But if you've gone four weeks and beyond and you're still craving certain things, it could be an awesome sign for a carb up. Um, so definitely uh, head on over to the Google machine and type in healthful pursuit carb up if you're curious on that, because it could be that you need a carb up. And by having those carbs, your body burns through those carbs, which is back into fat burning, all is good with the world and your cravings go away. The second question on cravings on keto, how can I find creative keto friendly ways to indulge my sweet tooth without the guilt? And is there any way I can do this when I'm out to eat at restaurants with my friends and family? Okay, read the word guilt. So I just want to uh, insert a little piece here on like guilt and food. We put a lot of power in food and it's not our fault. It's nothing you did wrong. It's just the fact that the industry, the way that it is and the media and all the things to do with the foods and our feelings around food, we've really given food power where it doesn't require power. And so food doesn't have power over you. Food is just food. It's neither good nor bad. No food, even carbs, even sugar. It's not bad. It just doesn't work maybe for your body. And that's totally okay. But when you eat those foods. It's not like you're a bad person or you need to be punished. And you may not even think of the word punished, but you know, rip it at the gym, even though you're exhausted because you had like, quote unquote, too much chocolate at lunchtime. And now you have to like burn it off. Like these disordered behaviors that we are taught to it's accepted. <laughs> like, oh, I ate too much ice cream. Therefore I go to gym and work three hours. It's not the way it works. So there shouldn't be guilt around food. Food is just food. So what? You ate it. Life goes on. Now, when it comes to, you know, making quote unquote better choices that align with how your body wants to feel, because I know when I eat too much sugar, if I have sugar, I mean, it happens. I'm human. There are times where I'm really emotional. I eat food that I know doesn't feel good in my body. And I'm like, ah, shoot. Well, that happened. And I'm not going to feel very good the next day, but that doesn't change my value as a person or my worthiness to feel loved and accepted on this planet <laughs> and even by myself. So if you want to choose foods that are going to make you feel good, awesome. When you choose foods that are going to make you feel bad, whoop-de-doo, life goes on. It's not a big deal. Um, so if you want to choose those foods that are quote-unquote good for your body and make you feel good, just Google Healthful Pursuit Fat Bomb. I'll include a link in the show notes as well for some fat bomb recipes that you can go towards. So if you're craving things and it's sweet stuff, I know I do. I always keep little sweet things in the freezer that I can go toward that are high fat and have those on hand. And when you're craving that thing, just have that. And if it works, great. And if not, it might be that you need a carb up. Where I find carb ups being really helpful, especially because you asked like, what do I do when I'm at restaurants? I would do a carb up. I would get something on the menu that's carby, shouldn't be a problem. It's probably going to be sweet and awesome and you're going to enjoy it and share it with some friends. You know, get a bunch of spoons, enjoy it. The next day, eat keto and you're good to go. So I think we put almost 
like I said, too much power into these things. So I'll include a link in the show notes about carb ups, how to do it, what they are, how it all works. But basically when you are having this carb up, like I mentioned before, you're eating the carbs. When you're fat adapted, your body will burn through the carbs quickly and go back to fat burning because there's not enough carbs to continue on the carbness. And when you're fat adapted, your body's built up these enzymatic processes in order to burn fat as fuel. So it wants the fat. So it's going to burn the carbs really quick. And in fact, when you're sleeping, your carb burn actually increases, which blows my mind. It's so cool. And when you wake up, your leptin is reset, which means you're probably going to want to fast longer. You've had a nice time with your friends out of the restaurant. You had a bunch of spoons in the brownie with with all the whipped cream and all the awesome sugar things and you enjoyed it. And maybe you had say four spoonfuls as opposed to when you're coming at it from a restrictive guilt perspective, you are probably not going to order the brownie with friends at the restaurant. Then, you know, you're going to watch your friends eating the brownie without you and you're going to go home and you're going to binge. Like how many times have we done that? I know that I've done that probably a bazillion and one times. So have the brownie, enjoy it, go back to fat burning the next day, and life is good. And that really follows through with the next question on cravings with keto, which is what should I do if I do give in to my cravings? And this is a two word answer. You eat keto. You just wake up the next day and you start eating keto again, or the next meal, say you give in to your cravings in the morning. Cool. Go for a walk, slough it off, or do something that makes you feel good. Know that food is just food. It's okay. You're still loved. You're still worthy. You still deserve everything you could ever want. And then make yourself some greens and bacon and eggs. And no big deal. It's totally fine. Just eat keto. Awesome. So let's chat about the relationship with food on keto. One of the questions was, I second guess everything I put in my mouth. I often turn back to my fitness pal to see what my intake is like. I stress about how much or how little I'm eating. I'm constantly thinking about food, trying to figure out if I'm hungry, if I should eat now or later, what I should eat, asking myself, is this too much fat or too many carbs? How can I find balance with this way of eating and not be so obsessive or stressed out? Girl, I feel you. I remember what this was like, even reading your question, I was like, oh my God, that's so stressful. I'm so happy I'm through that. And it took me, I mean, at least two years and I still have blips. You know, I still have, when I'm feeling insignificant or stressed about something like with the book tour, oh my gosh, I even started counting my calories again leading up to the book tour because I was just so panicked that people wouldn't accept me, that the book wouldn't do well and nobody would show up to the book tour. And I just started counting things and obsessing about things. So it's kind of like this fail safe of when I'm not feeling secure in other parts of my life, I start tracking. And this might be your experience too, as you stop tracking and move toward you know, baby steps to eliminating the My Fitness Pal obsession that you go toward it in times where you're not feeling control in other parts of your life or where you're feeling weak in other parts. So just be mindful of that, that it will still pop up and that's totally okay. It's normal. It would be weird if you didn't and you were just all perfect and all knowing and be strange. So we all have those mistakes and we all make those mistakes and it's totally fine. Something that I want to say is as long as you're tracking, you'll always think about food and you'll always second guess your choices. 
you know, for example, this morning, um, it's 11 o'clock and I woke up not feeling hungry at all and not wanting a fatty coffee at all. And so I made some iced tea, just like some steeped herbal tea with a drop of monk fruit sweetener. And I've been sipping on this and I'm really not all that hungry. But if I were tracking, I'd be worried because yesterday I didn't eat a lot either. And now this morning I'm not eating. And so I'd probably force myself to have a fatty coffee and stress about, oh my gosh, I'm not going to hit my fat intake if it's already like 11 o'clock and I haven't had fat. It's just so stressful. And so there's something so freeing about just kind of rolling with it. And a question later on, I remember reading in preparation for this episode, kind of chats about Yeah, but what if I'm fat? Because I've been eating and now I'm fat and like clearly my body wants me to be fat so I can't listen to it. And we'll chat about that piece in a bit. But when it comes to tracking and being obsessed with food, the only way to stop being obsessed with food is to stop tracking because you're going to second guess everything because a little stupid machine is telling you when you should be hungry and when you should be full. And um, it's really hard to grasp the concept when you're still tracking that not tracking is going to lead to probably more weight loss and also feeling better about your body. But it's so true because at the end of the day, when you're tracking, you are te- a little machine is telling your body when it's time to eat, when it's full, all the things. So you're not giving yourself space to listen to your body. So in order to make space, what I would recommend and what I did to stop tracking, and I mean, it sounds easy, but I know how hard this is. So I'm with you on this. Remove tracking for one meal. What I like doing is doing it for the first meal. So for breakfast or maybe lunch is your first meal, whatever, don't track it. And when you're not tracking your meals, write them down in a little book. What I had, not necessarily the measurements, but just like what I had, fatty coffee with MCT oil, coconut oil, cacao butter, and a fat bomb made with coconut oil, cacao powder, and some stevia. And then how you felt after. And so start doing that with one meal. Start writing down what you're eating, how you feel. You can go to healthfulpursuit.com forward slash journal for a template you could use or just pick up a little notebook like at the dollar store and start writing down what you're eating, how you're feeling just for that one meal and then track for the rest of the day. And a couple of weeks later, do it for two meals and track for the rest of the day. And a couple of weeks later, do it for all your meals, or if you have three meals, do it for three meals and then four meals. I'm guessing you probably only have like two meals a day, maybe three. So once you get to that three meals, go to your journal, start writing stuff down. And this is how you get in touch with your body because you start to see when you're reacting to stuff, what you're reacting to, little patterns, maybe, you know, during your period, you're eating more and you start to see that your body is ebbing and flowing with your cycles. And it's so cool. And also surround yourself with positive influence and people and resources that make you feel good about your body and your choices. I can't stress this enough. If you're trying to not track and then you're going on Facebook groups that are telling you, if you don't track, you're not keto and you're a bad person well, then that's not going to kind of work out for you very well. So uh, make sure that you're surrounding yourself with positive influence. And it could be, you know, telling your friends, I, I can't tell you how many times, even with strangers, when they're talking about bodybuilding competitions and how everyone would look better if they were thin and muscly, I have to tell people that's really triggering for me. I'm not okay with this conversation. I don't want to be part of this. So I'm just going to go away. Feel free to continue talking, but I just, I can't be here. And that's totally okay. You're setting boundaries 
boundaries. And, you know, for strangers, no big deal. For friends, it might be that they're really su- supportive of that. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know. Totally fine. We can talk about something else. And get into things outside of food. If you're constantly obsessing about food and then on Instagram looking at food and, you know, watching YouTube videos about food and nutrition and food, yeah, probably you're going to think about food all of the time. So stop watching Food Network. Stop watching YouTube videos and listening to podcasts about nutrition. Even mine, if you find like it's triggering and it's not allowing you to connect with your body, look for activities outside of food. Go to a knitting class. I don't know, like right now we're renovating an RV and that's keeping me really busy and focused on other things outside of food and just find things that you enjoy doing outside of eating and tracking. Whether you're keto, low-carb, paleo, or somewhere in between, electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. This is amplified on the ketogenic diet, but every human requires this balance. When you have adrenal hypo or hyperfunction, this affects your body's ability to balance sodium and potassium. Do you get headaches behind your left eye? This is a good sign that you need sodium. Headaches behind your right eye? This is a good sign you need potassium. Nearly every one of my clients that I work one-on-one with have an imbalance of electrolytes when they first come to see me. Symptoms such as headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, or seen right there in their blood work. Much of this is improved with proper electrolyte supplementation. Now, I personally consume at least one packet of electrolytes daily, and not just any electrolyte, element electrolytes, because it doesn't have sugar, fillers, coloring, artificial gunk, and has the effective electrolyte ratio that so many other guys don't do right with a thousand milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, that perfect combination. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any order. That's eight single serving packets free with any element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinklmnt.com slash KDP. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash kdp element offers a no questions asked refund so you can try it totally risk free if you don't like it share it with a friend and they will give you your money back no questions asked you really have nothing to lose i just love these guys again it's drink slash kdp the second question in relation to all of this is I've been feeling like keto is another restrictive diet, even though I buy into the health benefits of it. So how do I do it without falling into the obsession trap? I don't really take pleasure in cooking and I like simple meals. So a cookbook is overwhelming to me, which is adding to the stressed out and restrictive feeling I'm getting. First off, I feel you because I don't totally enjoy cooking either. I mean, I love making recipes for you guys and having fun, but like I never eat like that in real life, to be honest. I usually just throw everything in a pan, a lot of fat and cook it. And if you want to kind of see what my meals look like on a daily basis, you can follow me on Instagram for more meal ideas that are kind of throw it in the pan and be done with it. I'll include a link to my Instagram page 
in the show notes, which you can find at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E35. Otherwise, just search for Healthful Pursuit on Instagram and you'll find me. So know that you don't need to make meals pretty and awesome. Like a lot of the, a lot of the meals in the keto diet, my paperback, some of them took me a really long time and I don't enjoy spending a lot of time in the kitchen where it can be inspiring for people to follow a bunch of different recipes and kind of get into the groove. And that was definitely something that I did when I first started eating keto, but it's not something you need to continue doing or even that you need to do. So if you're new to keto and you feel good on it, or you know that you could benefit from it, but you're getting overwhelmed, you could try following something like a meal plan. My balanced keto meal plans might be a great tool for you because they allow you to kind of move stuff around and you can go with how you feel and they don't provide things like calories or macros. You kind of just make the food and it's really quick and easy recipes as opposed to really complicated. But if you're a keto veteran and you know what feels good and you know what eating high fat looks like, then just throw everything in a pan and be done with it. Um, it doesn't need to be complicated to taste good. Meat, fat, greens, and you're pretty awesome and ready to go. So what I would recommend also is to kind of get out of the rules game and kind of go with your everyday stuff that's going on. You don't need someone telling you what to do in order to be happy and healthy. So you grasp the concept of keto, high fat, low carb, set the intention to eat high fat, low carb, do it for a week, see how you feel. If you find like you're eating too many carbs, lower it. Just stop putting as many I don't know, nuts in your salad and replace that with more low carbohydrate fats. And also stop doing the things that are stressing you out and leaving you feeling restricted. That could be, you know, cooking from a cookbook. Don't do it. Having a fatty coffee in the morning. If you don't like it, stop drinking it. Make bacon and eggs or greens bowl with a bunch of meat like I do, like broccoli and ground beef is the easiest thing to make. It might not look like much, but it tastes good and it's keto. So I hope that that's helpful and you feel a little bit less overwhelmed. The next question, you and most of your guests talk about being not so restrictive and eat what you want, but some or a lot of us are overweight because we have already been doing that. Even eating the keto way, I'm still not getting the weight off consistently because I'm not being too restrictive and I'm eating what I want. I understand I'm not supposed to be counting calories, but I would really like to know how the heck I'm supposed to lose 100 pounds if I'm not restricting myself. Every time I lose 10 pounds, I have a setback and I have to start all over again. So how do I prevent setbacks or lose weight faster so I don't get frustrated and give up before I see any results? So a couple of thoughts here. My first one is, what are your setbacks? And I know you can't answer me right now, so I'm going to kind of go with the flow on this one. If you're restricting and it's leading to the loss and gain of the same 10 pounds over and over again, clearly the restrictive situation isn't working for you. I see this time and time again. I've been a victim of this very thing where... I would restrict myself to 1200 calories, 1200 calories, 1200 calories. And then on a Saturday night, I would eat like 5000 calories and then I'd be back to square one. And the reason that 500 or 5000 calories rather affected me is because my metabolism was so broken. So if you're coming from a restrictive standpoint and you're like, I have to restrict in order to lose weight and you lose the 10 pounds and then you binge and you gain back the 10 pounds and then you're like, I have to be restrictive to lose weight. And then a couple of weeks later, you binge and you gain the 10 pounds. Clearly restriction isn't working for you. 
But on the other side of things is I can't tell you how to manage your body and your health. For me, I personally do better listening to my body. And this takes time, like I mentioned before. Um, the food journaling is really helpful. Eating when you're feeling hungry and you know when you don't. But a big thing here is that Oftentimes, if people feel that they're quote unquote overweight or they need to lose weight, there's really no correlation between overweightness and health. I understand that if you're carrying a ton of extra weight, it can be really hard on your joints and those sorts of things. If we're talking about like an extra 20, 30 pounds, studies have shown that like there's just no correlation between it. So that's something to think of as well. However, when you are feeling like you need to lose weight, and you've kind of gotten to this place where you're eating whatever you want and that's how you gain the hundred pounds and now you're wanting to lose it. Chances are there's probably a huge emotional piece to this. And even while you're eating keto, not counting, like you mentioned, I'm not counting, um, but I'm still not losing weight. Chances are you need to look at the emotional piece because if you gained a hundred pounds, let's say over a year or two, there was probably something that happened in your life that caused you to gain that weight. It could be physical, like maybe you have a thyroid condition that you need to look at and chat with a doctor about, but it could also be emotional. Maybe something happened in your life. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you got a divorce. Maybe a child graduated and you're feeling like you don't really have a place anymore, a purpose. Um, there's so much to this outside of food. So if you are doing quote unquote all the right things, but you still have this emotional connection to food, you're probably eating when you're not hungry because you don't know how to deal with those emotions. So someone or some resources that I would recommend checking out would be Summer Inanen. She's a really good resource. She's my personal coach. I really enjoy working with her um, to just kind of set things straight and work through the emotional pieces and just question yourself when you're craving certain things or you're eating breakfast even as a keto person do you actually want this breakfast right now are you actually hungry what's going on in your life right now that is affecting your choices when it comes to your nutrition if restriction works for you to lose weight and you're feeling good on it then do it i'm not going to tell you not to do it you'll definitely have to probably count your calories that works for a lot of people especially on a ketogenic diet I don't personally subscribe to this approach because it's really triggering for me, but you may find that it works really great and like go for it. There may come a point that this is necessary if you want to lose weight and feel that it's the right thing to do. If you decide it's the right path, however, you do not need to restrict down to say 1200 calories to lose weight. So if by going down to say, I don't know, 1500 calories, you're not losing weight, then chances are there's a metabolic issue that's going on. Probably you've been dieting for a really long time. You probably need to look at your those physiological pieces that we were chatting about before, thyroid, adrenal, sex hormones, like all these things that can affect you from not being able to lose weight, even insulin and kind of just see where that's at. And it's going to be kind of a multi-pronged approach of looking at your emotions, seeing how that that's playing a role with your current lifestyle, movement and your relationship with movement. How can you encourage yourself to move in a way that feels good for your body. The physiological aspects of, you know, your thyroid, adrenals, and all those pieces. And then if you have to go, like, say, less than a thousand calories in order to lose weight, you need to look at your metabolism and kind of see where that's at. So I hope that that is helpful. Okay. 
I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. The last piece is protein ups and carb ups. Can you go into more detail about the different benefits of pumped keto profile versus the adapted daily fat burner fat field profile? The different benefits of protein up versus carb up. So uh, this individual is referring to the resources in my paperback, The Keto Diet, which you can find at all bookstores basically and online on Amazon and all the things. Pump keto is made for people that do not respond well to carb ups and also do not respond well to eating low carb, high fat every single day for the rest of their life. Think of it almost as a last resort or really permission to eat more protein when you need it or feel like it and know that you can still be keto. So all the benefits that you would get from a carb up, you're also going to be getting from the pumped keto or doing a protein up. And basically this is taking out some of the fat, adding the protein in your last meal because you're eating excess amount of protein, usually in one meal, that's a protein up. So that's different from pumped keto. Pumped keto is where you are eating higher protein all day throughout your ketogenic diet, usually around 30% protein. And again, this is made for people that can't do carb ups, don't feel good on carbs, but also don't respond well to the low carb every day. And people can stay fat adapted in the state. So that's pumped keto. And then protein up is a, a supplement to a carb up. So at the end of the day, your very last meal, you're taking out the fat, you're putting in the protein. And because you're eating excess amount of protein all in one meal, it's actually going to be quite a bit. You're probably going to spike up your glucose a bit, which will kind of do the same thing that a carb up would do, but like indirectly. What's required in this state really is uh, functioning adrenals and like a pretty good adrenal profile. So if your adrenals are totally shot, you might find that a protein up doesn't work. But what should happen is that your glucose should increase, which indirectly gives your body that glucose that it would have gotten from a carb up, but it didn't because you're really sensitive to carbs. And this is kind of like a roundabout way to getting to the same thing. So you're going to experience the same benefits that you would on a carb up. Reset leptin levels in the morning, better balance of your ability to fast, lowered cravings. Now for me personally, a protein up does not work. I do not feel good the next day. I feel much better with a carb up. So try both. So a protein up, take out the fat, put in the protein and a carb up, take out the fat, put in the carbs. Always at night, last meal of the day, usually with dinner. And what you should find is that you're going to sleep better that night. You'll wake up probably not as hungry as maybe the day before. And the next question is how should one with insulin resistant type PCOS and chronically elevated cortisol go about implementing carb ups or protein ups in order to regain menstrual cycle and in order to regain my menstrual cycle, which went away promptly after beginning keto. Okay. As a fellow complicated case (laughs) where I have a lot of moving parts when it comes to my health, you kind of need to write down all the moving parts. So say you have candida and adrenal dysfunction and thyroid dysregulation, and uh, maybe you have PCOS too, and you kind of have to rate them in order of importance for you personally. When I had amenorrhea, which was a loss of period there at the very end, when I started actually caring about it, it became a high priority item for me. Before that, it was muscle gain and fast running times and So 
it changes over time, but you really need to prioritize the things that are most important to you. If I was in your shoes with insulin resistant type PCOS with chronically elevated cortisol and I lost my period after going keto, I would probably test my blood to check for all androgens. So testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, pregnenolone, cortisol, um, what's another couple? HSCRP for your inflammation. I would test your insulin, kind of see where it's at. I would also get a pelvic ultrasound to kind of see what's going on there, kind of see where that's at. And I mean, if you lost your period because you went keto and that's really important to you, I would include carb ups and see if it comes back. Or it could be that you're just eating too low carb overall. Another thing you could try because you're insulin resistant is just increasing your carbs. So maybe if you're eating 30 grams of total carbs a day, you increase that to 40 and then 50 and then 60. But I would do it like very slowly. So maybe three weeks of increasing it by 10, another three weeks, increase it by 10. Um, just so you can kind of feel where you're at. I have a feeling that's probably going to work. And that's the approach that I would take. But carb ups might not be best because of your insulin resistance. It's a lot of carbs to take on all at, all at once. So I would go more for an increase in carbs at every meal. And also, if you're having fatty coffee, I would remove that, kick that out because your cortisol and also all the things you have going on and just have breakfast, lunch, dinner. So I hope that that was helpful. The last question here and the last piece we want to talk about is inconsistency with keto. So it's going back and forth from burning glucose to burning fat hard on your body or more confusing to it. I'm wondering if I can't commit to being in ketosis all the time, whether it's worthwhile to try to be in it the majority of the time and how this compares to a more typical carb cycling approach. Okay, so there's not there's not really a... How do I say this? <laughs> That's not really a thing. You can't like be in ketosis sometimes and like be a glucose burner most times because if you're constantly going back and forth, like say you're having like three days of carbs, three days of all the fat, three days of carbs, three days of all the fat, your body's going to be completely confused on what fuel it's using because it can take upwards of four weeks for your body to become fat adapted. I mean, in some cases, like three months. So if you're constantly going back and forth and back and forth, your body's going to be really confused on what fuel it's using. You're probably not going to feel all that great. It's not an all or nothing diet when it comes to keto, but it does require that you eat low carb, high fat, at least 80% of the time. So if you're interested in keto, but you also love carbs, and I don't know why you would want to switch between both. I don't know what your experience is and, and why you would want to do this, but I would do more of a carb up approach like the adapted fat burner, fat fuel profile where you're adapting and then you're having carbs every once in a while, or the daily fat burner, fat fuel profile where you are having carbs every night, right? When you get started, so you don't need to worry about it. But the other question is, does constantly going in and out of ketosis put extra stress on the body and do more harm than good. So these two questions are very aligned with one another. I don't know if it will totally affect your body negatively. You just won't feel very good going back and forth. I don't think it's a harmful thing. You just will probably feel like garbage, like 
I remember when I adapted for the very first time and even the second time where I like played around with a bunch of carbs, totally got out of ketosis for like three weeks and then got back in. It's not an enjoyable experience to like get back into it. So I could imagine that if you're constantly going back and forth, you're going to have keto flu like literally all the time. And then when you start eating more carbs, you're going to feel really dizzy and not right because your body's like just not used to the carbs and it's this constant back and forth thing. So... I would say that carb ups are probably going to be your best bet as opposed to like eating carbs all the time and then eating keto all the time. That way you're not always in the process of adapting and you can actually benefit from the ketogenic diet. Carb ups are different in this way that when you're having a carb up, your body is fat adapted. So you are burning the carbs and jumping back into being a fat burner. So that requires that you eat just enough carbohydrates to like burn through and then get back into fat burning. But where the line is, is like if you're having epic amount of carb ups every single night and you're eating like 200 grams of carbs in a night, I mean, if you're working out, that could work for you. But chances are you'll probably kick yourself out of ketosis. So I hope that that was helpful. I feel like I just talked a mile a minute. Oh my gosh, I have so much more to say. But for now, we'll cut it off there. Great. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Again, that code for exogenous ketones, if you decide to give it a try, is perfectketo.com slash keto diet pod and use the code KDP20 to get 20% off your entire order. Remember, you can only use that once. So choose very, very wisely. Okay, I will see you back here next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. We're talking about hormones and your ketogenic diet, melatonin, regulation. Ooh, I cannot wait to share this episode with you. So I'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.